to Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 6, The Religion of the Israelites. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, New King James Version. Welcome back to the Psalms of God podcast. Today, I want to talk about the beginning of the Israelite religion. Um, And I'm calling it the Israelite religion instead of Judaism, because I also want to talk about slight differences um, from what we see in modern society. Or I want to talk about how interpretation has kind of um, affected that as well. Um, Because a lot of times we see we only see issues in what we're familiar with because we're so familiar with it. I've had conversations with people and they're like, oh, Christianity's so broken. It has so many different denominations and no one else has that problem, but a lot of religions have that problem. In fact, if you go talk to people who are part of Islam, if you go talk to Jews, if you go talk to, I'm sure, Hindus or whoever else, there are people who interpret things differently and they all have these sub-denominations. It's just, we're not familiar with them because we live in a predominantly Christian society um, as of me recording this particular episode. But there is a lot to be said with how people think and why people interpret things differently. And I want to start pointing out how these things came about from the very beginning. We already talked about before Israel was established as a nation, it was obvious that God had some form of worship, some structure to how he wanted things done. That's why he was able to say there was sin on the earth. So after the establishment of Israel, we have concrete evidence of what was supposed to be done and what was supposed to be happening. But they didn't exactly follow what was supposed to happen. And, um, you know, it's interesting because as a as a person in today's society, you read about the Israelites and you can read their stories and you ask, why was it that hard? Like God literally saved them from Egypt. They saw these miracles. They saw these things happen. They saw the pillar of cloud. They saw the pillar of fire leading them through the wilderness. And they still created a golden calf and decided to go all kinds of sideways in their worship. And so... You have to wonder, you know, what was happening in their minds, Um, because from a from our point of view, you're like, that's so stupid. Why would you do that? And of course, we do the same things. And, you know, when we look back, when God shows us the whole picture, we're going to be like, why were we so stupid? Why didn't we see what was happening? Um, But it really has to do with one where our hearts are and, you know, whether we've surrendered to God to allow him to give us that kind of discernment. And two, just, you know, 
human nature. Sin has entered our bodies and our minds and our flesh and we are corrupted. So when God talked to Moses on the mountain and he started giving him um, these laws, he gave them, he gave him different types of laws. And the Bible doesn't specifically outline it as such. Um, It's not that the Bible says, oh, this is this type of law. This is that type of law. It's just that if you read it, I guess this is again interpretation. um, But if you read it, you can see this and categorize them for yourself. So God gave Moses certain laws that were about morality and about what you should and should not do. So for instance, thou shalt not kill. That is a command. Um, It's part of the Ten Commandments. And he was very clear, don't do this, don't do that. You know, these are things you should not do. There were also things that he said they should do. Some of this included giving money for the purpose of taking care of those who were less fortunate, for those who did not have an inheritance, such as the Levites, commonly called a tithe. I'm going to do a whole episode on tithing, um, so stay tuned for that. But, you know, that's one of the things he tells them to do. He talks about, um, you know, certain things that will, should be done in the case of something else. So these aren't specifically commands, but what to do, more like troubleshooting, right? So if this happens, this is what should happen next. So one example is you have this, this man who has five daughters. And so his daughters are like, well, you know, if something happens to our father, then we should inherit his land. And, you know, there was nothing written about that because at the time only men inherited land. And, you know, God said, yes, they should inherit it. So Moses wrote that into law in the instance that a man has no male heirs, his daughters can get the land. So you see certain things like that. Then you also see things that are punishments for something so for instance if you kill somebody you were supposed to die as well right so there are again this is sort of a a consequential thing if this happens this is the consequence of it Um, but then there were also things that you will also hear referred to as ceremonial laws these were laws that had to do with worship so they were supposed to offer a sacrifice at a certain time there were certain feasts we're going to talk about the feasts um, and some of these offerings and things as we get into how all of these things tie into Christianity and and our modern um, point in society or point in life in the timeline but all of these things made up their religion or um, the structure of how God was telling them to worship Now, like I said, (laughs) that's not necessarily what Judaism today looks like exactly because Judaism doesn't come strictly from the Bible. They have other books. I think they have the the Talmud. They have something else. um, The Midrash, I want to think. There's like a couple of different books they consult and then they have the the rabbis that they consult and, you know, they come up with these certain things. And so, for instance, um, one of the things I quickly learned as I was studying um, kosher laws, um, which kosher is the word that Jews use to mean like of the law, 
And, you know, I, I got really confused really quickly because if you study kosher laws as they pertain to food and you look at the Bible's definition of clean and unclean, you'll start to realize that there are these words that don't exist from a biblical standpoint and you start to to wonder like what does this mean so they have thing they have something called parve and they have like dairy and they have meat and dairy and meat in the kosher world cannot mix so you cannot have a cheeseburger you can't have a milkshake and a hamburger like these things can't be consumed together according to um the modern jewish religion and i was like what in the world i don't see like where did they get this from um and it actually comes from a line within Leviticus that says that you shouldn't seethe uh, a calf in its mother's milk. I think that's the phrasing. I will link it in the show notes, but it's something to that sort. Basically, it means that you shouldn't boil um, the, the baby calf in its mother's milk. And so from that, it evolved into this idea of you can't have dairy and meat together. And it's really interesting um, because at the time that, ooh, sorry, I'm dropping things over here. Um, At the time that Moses would have been pinning the laws and that they were in the wilderness, they would have had a lot of control over their cattle. Um, It would have been very, very easy for Moses to or anybody um, that was an Israelite, it would have been very easy for them to go in their backyard, take a calf, kill it, and then cook it and not use its mother's milk because they could have gone to their neighbor to get milk or they could have gotten milk from some other cow or whatever um, if they wanted to do that. However, you can also see where maybe it wasn't just about the mother It's kind of about taking life from the mother and then also taking her milk as well. There's definitely um, an emotional thing. If you've ever been around cows, you would understand that they do form connections and bonds. um, And that just seems a little traumatic. Um, And that's, you know, but I may be biased because I'm vegetarian and I grew up with cows. And so, yeah, I'm probably extremely biased on what that actually means. However... Regardless of what it means, in our modern society, I could definitely see how you would just be, you know, worried about milk and beef in general because we have no idea where this beef came from and where that milk came from because it's all done in some factory somewhere and you have no idea where you're getting it from. It's not like it's homegrown or anything like that. And so... What the Jews would do is they would add things on top of this to make sure that they didn't break that law. So in order to ensure that they're never overstepping whatever bounds God intended with this law, they just say, okay, you can never have meat and dairy together. And there are lots of examples, if you look at the modern Jewish religion, of these things happening where it's like that's not really in the bible but somehow that became a thing so um, another thing that i've noticed um where i live there are a lot of orthodox jews and on sabbath when i'm on my way to worship service 
I see them walking because they don't drive on the Sabbath because they consider that work. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because when you think about it, you know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I'm not really sure. Um, When you think about the definition of work, um, it goes back into these ideas of what did God actually mean? And that always goes back to interpretation. And if we as humans interpret it, we generally tend to mess up. So you have to let the Holy Spirit do it, which means you have to be convicted of whether this is right or wrong. And it it really gets really involved. It's really confusing. And it becomes really easy to see how people got so mixed up and how people got so confused and how people eventually get to the point where they're like, I'm not even going to bother. This is too confusing. It's too much. I don't have time for this. Um, Not that I'm encouraging you to do that because we should be striving to do what God wants us to do. The reason I bring all of this up is to to solidify and remind you of how, how big of a role tradition plays in religion. Um, Because like I said, they came up with these ideas or these rules to safeguard against other rules or because of interpretation and it created traditions because now this is a tradition. It is a tradition that they don't mix meat and dairy. That's not actually the law. It's just that they created a law on top of the law to keep from breaking the law. So now it's tradition. And a lot of things within Christianity are also tradition. And some of them are maybe harmless traditions, but some of them may be harmful. And like I said, this has been happening from the beginning. It started well before Israel was created and it's been happening long after Israel fell and it's still happening now that Israel is a country again. It's something that people can't seem to get away from. And so I I definitely wanted to bring that up. I wanted to talk about... Um, kind of that establishment. So while I'm talking about Israel, um, I guess we should talk a little bit about the history of Israel. I'm going to go into some of these, um, I guess, concepts of religion that God did lay down. I want to talk about the feasts because they're very, very important when it comes to prophecy and what happened with Christ and why, how Christ fulfilled those. And it also has a lot to do with how Christianity is. A lot of people don't understand how the rules of the Old Testament apply to the New Testament. People think that they just disappeared, which is not true. Um, And then other people feel like, oh, you know, Christians just pick and choose what they want to follow and what they don't want to follow, which is true. But nonetheless, there is a grand design and it has to do with what Jesus did fulfill and You know, that goes back to, like I said, some of the laws that God gave were commands. Like, this is wrong. It is wrong to murder. It was wrong to murder in the Old Testament. It is wrong to murder in the New Testament. Other things are, um, you know, how things should be operated. Some things were specific to the nation of Israel. For instance, the Levites were not given an inheritance, and therefore the Israelites were required to give a tenth of their earnings or their increases to the Levites for them to live. We're going to talk about that because the modern church system and tithing is not biblical. 
but we're going to get back to that because that's going to take a whole episode. Um, but, you know, that would be things that are taken out of context and turned into certain traditions. And then you have things that were fulfilled, for instance, in the Old Testament for the Israelites, God told them what to do in the case of someone breaking these laws. And so there were punishments that were doled out. And in a lot of cases, the punishment seemed very harsh. In fact, a lot of times the punishment was death. Um, and that's because the penalty of sin is death. Now, in the New Testament, we see changes because Christ died for our sins and he paid the price. So Christ died for us. So now we don't have to kill you because you committed this sin, because Christ already died that death for you. And that is why those things don't hold anymore. So I want to go through certain things and certain ideas and certain concepts um, to get to that point before we talk about Christianity and what it is and was it what it isn't. But certain things, like I said, tithing, um, the feasts, things like that, it will take more than just one episode to really dive in and get into. So I don't want to take up this episode um, with that. So instead, I want to use the last couple of minutes of this episode to kind of get an idea of um, who Israel was and how they formed and what happened to them. Because I think that is also important because we're talking about the history of um our belief and and what actually happened to god's people so israel comes from the name that god gave to jacob jacob was the grandson of abraham and his descendants became what is known as the israelites now i want to take this moment to put in a a plug for precise language um and remind you that the words Hebrew, Israelite, and Jew are not synonymous. So Hebrew, um, it comes from the word Eber. Eber was a descendant of Shem. It's a person. If you look in Genesis and you look at the so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so, um, I think this is probably in Genesis 10 somewhere in the table of nations, you will see somebody named Eber, and he is a descendant of Shem and an ancestor of Abraham. It is thought that this is where the word Hebrew originates. So any of his descendants would be considered Hebrew. So Abraham, Isaac, Esau, all of those people would be Hebrew. Israel is the name given to Jacob, like I said. And so his descendants were called Israelites. So this would be any of the 12 tribes that descended from Jacob. Now, after Israel went into captivity in Egypt and came out, they went into the promised land. And for a while, they had no king. They were just a nation. It was unlike any other nation. God was their king, um, but they wanted to be like the world. This is the problem that we have today. We have never gotten over this problem. But um, basically, they you know, they went on and on and they were doing their own thing and they wanted a king. This is how they ended up with Saul. Saul ended up being a wicked king and God appointed David to replace Saul. Eventually David took the throne and then David's lineage became the chosen line of kings. God made a covenant with David. 
However, not too far into David's lineage, problems arose. So David's son Solomon took over. And then after Solomon, Solomon's son Rehoboam took over. And Rehoboam, you know, he, he, I guess Solomon probably made people mad building the temple. Um, but then Rehoboam stroked the fire and made it worse. And the kingdom split in two. So you ended up with the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And in the southern kingdom, you had the tribes of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, and some of the Levites. And this became known as Judea. Now, I recently found out there's actually a verse. It's in First Chronicles, I believe. I'll list it in the show notes. That actually says that all of the people who wanted to follow God came into um, Judea and to be near Jerusalem to be able to worship at the temple. So there actually were tribes, the 10 tribes were also represented here, which is very interesting. And I'm planning to do a study on this because I'm curious as to the ramifications when people say the lost tribes. But generally speaking, the other 10 tribes are considered lost. They were in the northern kingdom and got captured by Assyria and never came back, according to the textbooks. Um, Like I said, I'm going to have to dig back into this because I was a little shocked at that verse. But nonetheless, after the northern tribe got carried off into Assyria, shortly after the southern tribe of Judah, they were captured by Babylon. That is where it was during that time that you get the story of like Esther, the story of Daniel, um, Nehemiah, all of these people who were alive during the captivity or as the nation was being rebuilt. And then they came back. Now, then there was another captivity, which is not captured in the uh, canon of the Bible. Um, it is covered in the Apocrypha, and that would be later in history. And then they came back to Israel once again before they got um, conquered by Rome. And then that would bring you into Jesus's time and into the New Testament. And then, of course, Rome eventually destroyed Jerusalem and the Jews were scattered and you know there are lots of theories about where the Jews went Um, some people believe that they fled north through their enemy's territory contrary to their normal flight pattern of fleeing into Egypt and ended up somewhere in Germany and that is why Jews are uh, from Germany today that's why you have Ashkenazi Jews Ashkenaz being um, a son of Gomer, a son of Jeff, Jepheth, coming from that lineage and from Europe. Other people would argue that they did exactly um, what they normally did and they fled into Egypt, which seems to parallel um, texts in Deuteronomy 28 and that they ended up in Africa and eventually ended up in the United States. Um as slaves so you know interpretation um it's you know do your research do your own studying and come to your own conclusions about what happened after the romans conquered them nonetheless that is a brief history of the jews and the israelites and um you know 
their rise and fall. And of course, throughout all of this, there was this on and off relationship with God. They struggled to maintain their relationship with God. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because I think it's powerful. People kind of skip over it or we judge them and, you know, look at them like they were so flawed. What was wrong with them? But I think it's a heavy reminder because they lived in an era where God was talking directly to people. You know, they had prophets all the time who were having visions and dreams. They had people interpreting dreams um, and you could see them come true, like instantaneously. You could actually, you would actually have these books and see that this person wrote this and it happened. You would see, you know, people like Jeremiah are telling you that this, this is going to end this way. And that's exactly how it ended. And so, you know, that God is there. They had, you know, what we think would have been a closer relationship, but it's actually just like it is today. You had people who said, yo, God told me this. And you're like, man, you crazy. God didn't tell you that. Um, And I think the atmosphere was probably a lot like today. I think we, sometimes we give them over credit because we think that because they were further back in time that they were closer to God. Um, But I think they were just like us. They were dismissive. They were not trustworthy. Um, And they were fickle and we're fickle. Um, We also have this wishy-washy relationship with God where when it's not convenient to us, we don't want to do that. We want to do just like everybody else did. They wanted a king just like everybody else. We want to blend in with everyone else. We don't want to be different. We We don't want to stand out. And, you know, that's kind of a flaw in us that um of the flesh um we are herd animals to so to speak we like to blend in we like to um fit in we like to be just like everyone else and that hasn't changed that's how the israelites were they co-mingled with other cultures and they just wanted to blend in they wanted to be respectful they wanted to be um a part of this other nation they wanted to to participate and appreciate other cultures it you know it's like a shiny new toy and we do the same thing we see new things we see new cultures we see new ideas and we want to partake in them too and we bring them in even though god has warned us that you know it may not be right and we don't necessarily know where those lines are and especially in our society today um where we've been taught acceptance above all um, it becomes very difficult to know where to draw lines how to do it politely how to do it respectfully and um, what that should actually look like when can how can I appreciate something without overstepping bounds or without you know infringing upon what God has told me to do and I think that's something that they struggled with immensely that we can relate to. And we don't really talk about that. Um, So that's something that I would like for people to think about. That's what I wanted to bring up in this episode, as well as, of course, just trekking through some of the history of what their relationship with God looked like and what worship looked like. So in the next couple of episodes, we'll go a little bit deeper into some of their traditions and some of the things that God commanded them to do um, before we jump into 
um, our modern Christianity and things like that. So thank you guys for listening. I hope that this was uh, coherent (laughs) and that it made sense. Um, And I hope it gave you guys certain things to think about and that it will help you um, as you struggle or succeed with your relationship with God to remember that we're really not that different than the Israelites and to give you some encouragement um, when you stumble so that you can pick yourself back up. Don't forget to like, subscribe, send to your friends, follow me on Instagram, whatever um, makes you happiest. Thank you once again for tuning in and I will see you next week.